And I carried it last time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know. What? I don't know about carrying it, but I felt like the last episode, you probably had the most space. Yeah. Yeah. And it felt good to me. Did it? But then you just burst it right then. (laughs) Just then. It felt good. It felt right. Mm. Until you just opened your mouth. And just blew it. Okay. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. Okay, okay. Trying to be more no nonsense this morning. Have you ever thought, Josh, what it's like to be inside my head? It's a scary place. Bob. Josh. Do you know what I wish I knew? What? I wish I knew how to pick a podcast partner 12 years ago. Ooh. Yeah. Is that, is this the, is this the reflection episode, Josh, where we reflect back? Yeah, I guess so. And maybe, maybe sort of get a little bit misty eyed about mistakes that we've made. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Pain, uh, so tell me, tears tell, of pain. Tell me more about that. Oh, tell you more about that. Well, number one, we should have done a couple trial episodes and understood the word count, the word volume that was there. Um, I probably would have practiced more in learning how to interject myself into a soliloquy that was happening. Yeah, big word. And I think if I knew those, if I was able to tackle that, I think we wouldn't have landed where we are. Where it's a surprise when people hear Josh's name, like, oh, it's the Metacast with Bob. And Josh. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. And Josh. <laughs> you know, you know I'm just I've, kidding. I'm you just know kidding. what I've always reflected on, though? I what? think it's the value of the discourse. I think it's sort of the value of the ideas. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. You know what I mean? I know, but we have this running joke we have to maintain. Well, I was just jabbing at you, and don't accept it. That was a jab. Fine. Fine. Get feisty. Okay. Come on. All right. Right. You're laying back in your in your banana shirt. <laughs> that was way louder than that I was, expected. That was incredibly <laughs> sorry, everybody. I slapped the arm <laughs> of my chair. That was wait I'm sorry. You know, I don't regret. I don't either. I don't I, either. I don't, I, don't, I don't regret. What do I get? Here's things that I one that's bounced the ball back and forth. Okay. See, so what do you have? So, Metacasters, this the theme of this episode is I wish we knew. I wish I I wish I knew this back then. Whatever this is. So, mm-hmm. so go ahead. When I first started hiring, I was a computer science only person. I had zero creativity or outside the box thinking in who would be a good developer. If your resume didn't have computer science on it, discard. And over the years, some of the more higher performing, successful, just teams I liked were made up of a majority of people that either didn't go to school or had a degree in something wildly different than computer science. So over the years, I've learned that 
through just like stepping in things and moving roles. And now there's a team of people that I didn't hire and I didn't look at their resumes. I just like, wow, you're really good. And then it comes up later like, oh, holy crap. So you, wow, that's amazing. So there were so many people that I think could have added to the products we built to improving my career throughout the way that I just shut out like a dummy. Well, and diversity yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I'm not, there's, there's academic diversity, mm -hmm. but there's all kinds of aspects to diversity. And I was doing the same. I mean, it wasn't intentional. It was sort of naive or it was, you know, sometimes you, you just, that's all you know. But I used to be like, not just university, but specific universities. I remember when I moved down here, mm -hmm. we identified a short list for our recruiters. Like Clemson was an engineering university, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech. So we were, yeah. <laughs> we, it wasn't just computer science. It was computer science from these universities. And I, I did some of that up north too when I was in Connecticut. When did I change? Probably at Bell & Howe after a few years down here. Now, in my defense, we were doing hard embedded, so, so embedded systems development. Mm -hmm. So, so having an engineering well, that's, background that's probably was, harder to pick up. Yeah, it's hard. You don't pick that up, you know, in a boot camp at right. at a community college or something. But still, I just left. I left all kind of great people on the just, just I I let I passed them by mm -hmm. and and I got it, it's not even just that it's the results that I got we were very predictable in our results mm -hmm. in those teams right I mean they weren't bad teams but just not a lot of variation not a, not a lot of ideation not a lot of creativity outside of the you know we had a norm in those teams so yeah I I I reflect that as well I'm trying to think of I wish I'd have known how hard Agile is to get right, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. I don't think it had changed anything. Well, no, I, I don't know what, it would have changed something, but I just wish I'd have known early on. I think in the early days of my Agile career, I looked at it as like a method, and it was the history, like a unified process and things like that, like RUP, the Rational Unified Process, and other SDLCs came along, and they were process definitions. And I wish I would have known how culturally key and how organizationally key agile success yeah, was. Yeah. Like, like right from the get-go, I did not get it. I probably wasted, not wasted, but I probably spent, you know, the first four, five, maybe even up to eight years thinking agile was a process thing, mostly, right? Mm-hmm. I, do, I disrupted some roles, for example, like project management roles or testers in, in development teams and things like that, mm -hmm. but I, I didn't get it. I wish I would have gotten it sooner. I, I think it would have, I think it would have, if it increased the uh, success of some of those early adoptions that I was a part of. Yeah. I, I, I've been down a similar path where I spun my wheels a lot and I was very stubborn about it and it's like this is going to work and I just tried to make it work by the process not the culture and I learned through mistakes yeah. that I needed to get better at addressing the culture from the top down and get all of the leaders on board and helping lead it before it was actually going to work because it was just like oh yeah Josh and the devs are doing this agile thing but the yeah. rest of the company is very waterfall yeah. and so that put a really low ceiling on the success that we could have. 
and I, you know, and I just like, Teradata is a perfect example. Like, you saw how that was going to end. You had more experience. You were like, yes, this is not going to work. I'm out. And I hung around for a couple years at least, just banging my head against that wall, trying to turn it into something that it just wasn't going to be. That's the other thing I wish... I wish I would have been more courageous. I mean, again, I had kids growing up, so mm-hmm. so there was real world reasons. But like with the great resignation now, people are boldly going out. Mm-hmm. You, you hear about more courage now, right? I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm going to pivot, right? You talk about that sometimes, like mm-hmm. startups and things like that. Yeah. I've got limited time. I, I wish I would have had more courage early on to take to take more risks. Maybe it's confidence or courage or something to do that. I agree completely. And I think part of that is the culture that we were brought up in. Like I, I realized the drivers that led to me choosing my career path. And it was very tied to the area that I grew up in, the norms around there. And so as I've, learned that. And as I moved into Raleigh, like I started working with the city and, you know, here in Raleigh, success is usually defined as you go to one of the big three schools, you get a job and you, you know, you bounce around a little bit and that's fine. But like you do that and there's not enough support for failure or encouraging people to try different things. You know, that's not the norm here. Whereas in some other parts of the country that's encouraged. Yeah. So that's a thing that I've always tried to work on here is encouraging that more often because there were societal norms that I allowed to hold me back that I wish I would have like shed those sooner. Yep. You mentioned something earlier. You didn't say it this way, but like sunk cost thinking. Mm-hmm. So I've been watching this. Uh, Rich Sheraton has a video. He's the uh, Menlo Innovations CEO. And he talks about one of the major factors in slowing you down or fear or whatever is you get stuck on what, you know, like trying new things because you're stuck on what, you, what you've sunk into it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm very sunk cost influenced. Right. I've always been, mm-hmm. it goes back to my background. I'm very conservative, you know, farm conservative, you know, you, you're going to, you're going to beat, you're going to beat it into submission yeah, rather, exactly, than, right. rather than just move, yeah. not get stuck in things. So I wish I would have let go. There's not a specific sunk cost example I could mine for them, but it's being, being less sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. Right. Being, yeah, it's a factor, but being very lightweight with sunk cost, I, I think that would have changed the trajectory of my uh, trajectory of some of the, the companies that I was a part of, if not getting stuck in that thinking. Yeah. Okay. So I want to hit the pause button for all the listeners out there. If you haven't been thinking about the things we've been talking about and evaluating how you're doing with those, rewind. And start over. Make sure you're you're listening to these are these are stories and mistakes that we made. But what are you gonna do with them? Can you look at oh I do that same thing. I like Bob. I do the exact same thing. And then how do you start to drive change? So don't passively listen. Actively listen here. The next thing for me is I wish I had more training 
with firing people than I did with hiring people. The amount of effort that I put in personally and other people put into helping me hire the right people just absolutely dwarfed the training. I basically got no training for how to let someone go. And the first few I fumbled like a complete doofus and I look back and I feel terrible because I just mishandled it. It was someone's life and all of those things. And I did it poorly. So I've really invested in myself in trying to get better at that because you're not going to get everything right. You're not going to get every hire perfectly. I agree. I mean, I remember going, what was the name? Wave Tech, Wando and Golderman was a um, telecommunications instrument company here in uh, the Triangle. There was a big, there was a lot of peripheral telecom Mm -hmm. companies and they were one of them like test instruments. And I worked there for a while. And the HR, I I went to HR to try to put someone on a performance improvement plan. And, And the director of HR didn't have a thing like that. So literally, like the HR team didn't know how to fire someone. Mm-hmm. And and so I had to help. So I had some experience. Right. But it's like indicative. It's not just you. It's it's like that's not a, a, I, I would call a skill or a competency that that's it's lacking in most organizations. And doing it right, mm-hmm. like doing it with humanity, doing it with equity, doing it with patience, doing mm-hmm. it with clear clarity of communication, right? You know, just doggedly doing it, putting in the effort to do that, just like you would in recruiting. Right. That's a, another missing, a missing thing. What for me do you have? I'm thinking, do you have another one? Could you throw another one out? Yeah, I've uh, clearly made a lot more mistakes than Bob. It's not mistakes. <laughs> no, I, it's, just, it's, I wish I would know. I'm just giving you a hard time. One of the things where I have stubbed my toe the most in my career has been I would interview for roles. I would get excited about the leaders. They were selling exactly what I was buying. And I was fired up. And no one knows this better than my wife, right? Because she's been along all those rides. And the number of times that I was disappointed as time progressed and that person wasn't really what I thought they were coming out of the hiring process. And that led me to leave. So I've worked really hard in the past five or six years to learn how to interview the leaders at a company to understand who they really are and be more confident about the choices that I'm making. I I hear that. I do a lot of coaching now, you know that. Mm -hmm. And I do the leadership workshops and things, but I I try to help the community. It's probably, not probably, it's the number one thing I hear is people making mistakes. And they're making repeated mistakes going into the wrong company. And it's, it's a pervasive problem because it's really hard. It's actually, I think, quite challenging for anyone to mm-hmm. interview for the culture to cut through the bullshit to cut through the facade right. and get to the real essence of a company like the glass door of a company or something like yeah. that i think the one regret i have and i still have it i'm still working on it i'm, I'm working on a blog post about is my humility and i think i'm too and and don't don't please don't harass me about it but i i'm too i'm too humble and part of it is imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it's been a problem for me from my youth, like growing up. Mm-hmm. I've, never, I've never been ultra confident or ultra cocky or anything like that. And I wish I would have, I wish I would have seen my value even to this day, you know, when I, 
you know, you've talked to me about you don't you don't charge enough. A guy was talking to me the other day. You know, I have this pattern sometimes of excusing my experience. Yep. Right mm-hmm. on on webinars and things like that. And and he was like, he shook me and is like, you know, you, you don't undermine what you have to offer. Right. It, it devalues your experience. You have a lot of experience, and so I wish I would have stopped that shit earlier. I really, uh, and I'm still I'm still going into that but i i think that's that undermined the trajectory of my career i mm-hmm. think yeah uh, you both broke professionally uh, in as an employee but also outside as a consultant and things yeah. like that and and i'm not saying i should be cocky but i think a lot of people are too humble they're too mm-hmm. they're letting their imposters and affect them yeah and and seeing yourself giving yourself a fair break really sort of seeing yourself the way you are looking in the mirror effectively in a balanced way you're bob effing galen and i don't feel like that i know right i i honestly but everyone is, else does yeah and everyone else does and i don't feel that way right and and actually being vulnerable now that's i've that's hurt me yeah it's hurt me in in many ways and and i just and I'll never, I'll never be cocky, right? Who's a cocky guy? And Craig Larman, the less guy, is relatively cocky. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I will never be a Craig Larman or someone like that. But I, you need to step it up. You, you really need to like look yourself in the mirror and accept yourself for like your strengths mm-hmm. and things like that. The other weird thing about it, Josh, is I'm good at, I'm good at, I think I'm good at giving, giving. You're you, doing it right now. Yeah. See. Yeah. See, I, I just can't. I, yeah, yeah. But I, I do that with you. Yeah. Right? Like I give you a mirror and I'll, if, if I'm talking to you, I will coach up your strengths, mm-hmm. but I won't do it to myself. Right. So I'll get, I'll, I'll show a mirror to other people, but I won't. So that's something I wish I not only knew it was self-aware of it. And I think I've been self-aware, but it's, it's just really working hard to, uh, to rebalance myself. You know, given last episode, I, as a friend, would say, give therapy a try, right? Like, if you think it was shaped by upbringing, like most things like this are, yeah, it might be helpful for you to work through that with an expert, and that might uncover the thing that then helps you push forward, you right. know? Because I, you know, I can tell you, I've I've been investing a lot there, yeah, and it helps. So that's coaching. A, and, coaching has helped me in yeah. that. I've, I've, because I'm in these coaching programs, I've connected to one-on-one coaches mm-hmm. and the coaching has helped. Oh yeah. Okay. With, actually the coaching has helped, but therapy would, would equally probably more, This it's the same thing. It's that reflection. Right. And the other thing is doing something about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Most people, you know, it's not just reflecting on it, surfacing it, but what is your action plan? Like, what are these small little things you can do to start shifting your frame for that? But what else do I wish? I wish I would have known that management I wish I would have known that I was good at management. So it's going to be like a twofer. But I wish I would have known how hard it was. Mm-hmm. Like how challenging. It's it's almost I wish I would have known the dichotomy of leadership, which is it's freaking hard to walk. We talk in the Metacast about walking your talk. I don't think people under, well, walking your talk is freaking challenging, mm-hmm. right? Under under, And you're not perfect, but you're... You're doing it under all circumstances. You walk your talk. I walk my talk. Mm-hmm. That's 
freaking hard. Yeah. Right? It's just challenging. It requires courage. It's it's whatever. But then it's worthwhile. I wish I would have known how worthwhile it was, but how tough it was. I don't know. I might have changed the trajectory of my leadership career if I'd have known. Yeah. It's it's almost like the humility thing. I don't know what I would have become, but I may have gone into consulting earlier mm-hmm. or something and skipped. I, so, you know, we talk, you think that I, you know, like at Teradata, I cut out early. But there there was a company where I was like schlogging my forehead against the wall for 10 years. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Right. I could have cut that. I could have cut that down yeah. to like three or four yep. and saved myself a lot of like, you know, brain damage or mm-hmm. something along the way. What do you got? Similar along the way and like almost the opposite of of where you're coming from in that I was overly confident that management was going to be easy and I jumped way too early into it. I jumped way too early into it for a couple of reasons. One, I was just not ready to give up coding. I still loved it yeah. and I didn't realize that to do leadership well, you had to stop the other thing. And I didn't want to. So that already was, not only was I not like experienced at it yet, I didn't want to do that part of the job because I wanted to keep writing code. So there were a ton of mistakes I made early in the game where I, you know, I just fumbled things. I think you went, if I remember you talking about your story, you had a good mentor, but I think you went early, Mm -hmm. right? You went into leadership management early. Yeah. 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 And like my third job. Yeah. yeah. And there's yeah. no magic time, but no. it's, it's, it's not for the, so it's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I'm getting pissed off lately about people slamming managers. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know there's tons and tons of bad leaders, bad managers on the planet earth, but damn it, you got to tip your hat to these people who are on the field of battle trying, mm-hmm. right. Trying to make a difference. And folks, folks marginalize them and slam in the agile community. A lot of people just, just always are anti-manager, right? Mm-hmm. It's just get rid of them, fire them, and I, it, it annoys me. I wish I would have known earlier how important, like, your your language is. Your words matter. How you show up matters. It's sort of like, I, I, I thought, like, in management... It was, you know, the technical stuff or something. Like I, I grew up as a, you know, developer architect mm-hmm. into leading teams that way. But and it, and soft skills does it a disservice. But like, I wish I would have known, you know, to be careful in how you articulate things. To be careful, you know, in how people interpret it in diverse communities and things like that. Our language is becoming now nowadays. It's incredibly important to be caught, not overly cautious, but careful, mm-hmm. thoughtful, intentional with your language. And I, I wasn't, I, I mean, it's not that I was bad, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't considerate of the crowd the way I should have. I became much more considerate of it, but there were probably, probably 15 years of leadership where I, I was, I was not really. I was hurting people. I was insulting people and not mm-hmm. intending to do it. Yeah. But but language language matters. How you show up 
matters, your body language, you know, like the nuance of leadership, the nuance of how you communicate. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't think I got that so much. She was like, here's a PowerPoint slide. Here's a goals and a, you know, who's, here's an OKR, blah, 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 get it done, go. (laughs) Right. Like a Newt Rockney kind of thing or something. That was my vision of it. That probably went back to the army. I mean, I have, oh yeah, yeah. There's, I'm, I'm sure there was some military sort of influence there of how leaders like showed up there. But what do you got? Yeah, I, I, I think I was spoiled in that aspect with the coaches I had in college. That that was a key to who they were and who we were, and it was really kind of drilled into us. But along the way, where I've struggled, where I did struggle. I don't do it anymore because I've, <laughs> I've learned my lesson was as we acquired or worked with teams that were global, I, I didn't understand early enough that their culture is their culture and you cannot ask them to operate like we do in our culture. And so there were teams I had in Malaysia and China that I was trying to force them into working the way we worked here in the U S and that's not, that's not fair to them. And then teams in Eastern Europe, same thing. Yeah. I trying to ask to work them the way that we do. And that's just not respectful. It's not realistic. So I, I fumbled a few things and had to learn and just accept and respect the cultures that were in place and understand that, I needed to do a better job of tweaking how we work with them and how we support them and what we ask of them, because that really was the problem. And everybody I worked with was doing their darndest, but it was asking them to jump over a mountain and it just wasn't fair. I think as you were talking, I was thinking the same in a different way. The same thing for me was, was change. I wish I would have known earlier that you can't change people, Mm -hmm. right? You just can't. Right. And I thought I could, right? And I, and I worked hard at changing. I'm trying to think of when did I, when did that get through my hard head within the last five years? So I have, you know, 40 years of working or over 40 years, 25 years of leadership, 20 years of agile. And only in the last five years, probably have I, I mean, I, I might've said it, but, but in my heart, like as a coach, I would go in and like, I'm Bob Galen, right? I can change you, right? So in my head, I was like, I can change you, mm-hmm. right? I just need to push the right buttons and figure out the right magic words or whatever. And I can, I can, I can make you do scrum yeah. and, uh, or I can make you, right? If you're in Eastern Europe, I can make you love collaboration mm-hmm. and kumbaya meetings with other developers and stuff. And, and it, it doesn't, it doesn't work, um. Uh, not directly, not in a direct way. And that's, boy, I'll tell you, the amount of like fire and brimstone and chaos I created in my wake yeah. right along the way. And I mean, I did get, and I did affect, people changed. The problem is it wasn't sticky change. Mm-hmm. They, it was, they were changing, they were mirroring what was expected. I wasn't changing people. And you know, I think a lot of people still have that. I just did a cow class last week. And it's one of those things that I talk to people about and from a leadership point of view and almost everyone to a person is, is asking questions like, how do I, how do I get people to adopt 
scrum or how do I get people to do this or how do I get people to do they're looking for this magical change elixir and I burst their bubble and I'm like you can't and you can see this like overarching sadness yeah. in all the you know in yeah. all the faces in zoom yeah it's like but what do I do I'm like you don't yeah right and so I, I think I think that's an epiphany or a, a transition that a lot of people should have not enough people have it yeah it, this can sound very flippant so know that I don't intend it this way but I was talking with a group you know a couple of weeks ago and they were working through a, a team that was struggling and trying to figure out what to do and just as we talk through it I kind of blurted out so what we really need to do is figure out who we need to fire right because like there's there's something <laughs> that's not working right. and which which piece of the puzzle is it and let's identify that and that's clearly the issue and then we need to replace that piece because something's wrong with it and so you know throwing around words like that that's <clears throat> kind of heavyweight and just say like who do we need to fire you know like that sounds pretty jerky but in reality you have a bunch of unchangeable pieces and maybe the that final piece for your puzzle belongs with a different puzzle it doesn't mean it's a bad puzzle piece it's just the wrong puzzle piece and well, so then you yeah. have to switch it for both parties to be happy absolutely well the realization that you can't change people right they can change themselves you can inspire them to change themselves but i can't make someone do something and i'm still working i still have to remind myself of that i've gotten so much better about that but i wish i i wish i would have maybe just just even for myself the other thing with me is you know you get frustrated with yourself it's like mm -hmm. i should have changed that like the other side of realizing you're not you can't change people is giving you the freedom to not being accountable for everything around you right oh i i didn't change the, mm -hmm. the culture the way it is well mm -hmm. no one could have changed the culture so it's a little freeing a little bit Right. It's a, it's a little, it's a little sort of treating yourself with some care. You have something else? Welcome to our diversity and inclusion minute where Josh is embarrassed because Bob is lapping him here. So I'm just going to zip my lip and allow Bob to have the floor. So not really lapping, but a couple things. Just did a cow class last week and I was really, I, I do, like I study the people I asked them to do pre-work and of 13 attendees, and I capped it at 12, so I keep it small. So it was 13 attendees, and eight of them were women. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I'm, and, and that's not totally intentional. I was lucky, but it's I'm working at it. But I'm you working. also market in that yeah, way. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I provide discounts and stuff. Yeah. But so, you know, sometimes I look up, and it's a very sort of diverse, from a racial point of view, and I get very pleased. This one was, I was really... And the other thing is it was a freaking awesome class. Mm -hmm. So this divert you can see the diversity of leaders. And and these are what what eight women leaders. So mm -hmm. that was cool. What else? I picked up another mentee. So Agile Alliance. I've been really pushing on the Agile Alliance for people to join it. And have you joined it? I have. I don't have a mentee though. So I and do they better. have a program called Agile in Color where you can go and volunteer. I have one mentee. And he's, he's wonderful. He's in Peru. 
So just I, I just like working with them. I like working with serious people, mm -hmm. right? Who you can just tell in the dialogue. They're they're just yearning. I I love to help people like that. Right. And then I have I I have another one signed up that we're going to work together. So I've added a mentee. And then the third thing is one of the attendees of the cow class is active in the Seattle Women in Agile group. And she invited, and I was talking about my daughter teaching the class. So she invited, she invited Rhiannon and I to do like a father-daughter, ask us anything about leadership. And I think that's kind of cool, yeah, the different yeah. perspectives. And we're going to do that, I think, in January or something like that. That's so, exciting. So I, I keep trying to keep trying to do things, just yeah. keep the ball moving down the What's the thing? Give me the metaphor, Josh. I mean, the court, the field, the, the field, the field. Sure. Keep moving. Keep matriculating the ball down the field. Okay, so remember, right now, in your diversity inclusion thoughts, be more like Bob. Josh is playing a little catch up. Move the so, ball. Move the it, ball down the field. If you listen to last episode, you might understand why why I've slowed down a bit, but that's going to get back on track. It's it's all good. You know what though? We have this diversity. Actually, another per, another woman I'm coaching, she and she was apologizing. I don't listen to the Metacast much, but I listen to one. And you guys talk about diversity, and it inspired me from a woman perspective because I have imposter syndrome, mm. and I was really thankful that you guys talked about that. And so, yeah, that's wonderful. The fact that we're doing yeah, this, right? I agree. So I'm, you you get credit for that too, right? We're we don't know, like we're throwing a rock. Everyone, metacasters, just throw a rock in the pond, and see what the ripples do. Dang! Back to the episode with that. Jeez. It's what I do. You know, the the funny thing that keeps bouncing around in my head is I feel like I should have learned that in high school with all my girlfriends <laughs> that, I, that I tried to change and like it just didn't work. Like, how did I walk out of high school with the relationships that I had thinking that I could change anybody? Well, that's true in even marriages and mm -hmm. stuff, right? Yeah. Like people get, you know... I mean, my, you know, with, with tongue in cheek, Diane, still, I'm like, honey, you ain't going to change. You know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty solid where I'm at right now, but we, but we try. I, I was going to, I was going to say something about, like, I wish I would have known how the frameworks how bad the frameworks can mm. be. I mean, I've discovered that over time, but it would have changed how I did things. If I, if I would have, when Scrum, when I first got exposed, I mean, I've been doing Scrum for a long time, you know, 20 plus years. So I've influenced people. It's not just I've been doing it. I've done it in companies. I've done it with my teams. I've done it as a, I mean, you know, I've, I've done it to lots of organizations. I wish I would have known how unimportant some aspects of it are mm -hmm. and 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 you know don't get caught up on it and it's the same thing with kanban and it's the same thing with all of the scaling frameworks just every framework devops all of the freaking frameworks and and mindset things I, I wish i would have known how little they mattered how much mindset mattered still matters yeah right 
principles, mindset, getting to the essence of something. And and I, w- I wish that could have changed how I was operating externally. I don't know if it would have changed how my writing is or something. I mean, pe- people were still... There's brick walls out there, and I still throw stuff at brick walls yeah, all the time, right? right? So I don't know if it would have changed the world or changed my writing or anything like that. But it certainly, for me personally, I think it would have it would have gotten me on on essence. Do you know what? I, I hope I'm making sense. Like, like a, it's walk getting to the essence of something is important. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I and I I fought for things too much not fought but argued things that just don't matter yeah right yep it just don't I've done the same don't, does it matter I'm trying to think of what else I want to squeeze a, I want to squeeze as much juice from okay me. well I I will reiterate while you work on that juice yes <laughs> jeez what's wrong with us Metacasters we are just such a team aren't we we just play off of each other so so elegantly yeah elegantly yeah, that's us elegant Remember, don't just passively listen to what we're talking about. Find the one thing in here that you didn't know you wish you knew and evaluate where you're at. And maybe, maybe there's still time, you know, and you can, you can save it and you can make a difference sooner rather than later. And that will set you off in whatever direction you want to go. So please take the time to do that. My final wish, I think is I wish I would have known Josh Anderson mm. earlier. I agree. I should have moved here sooner. Yeah. yeah. Or or in general. It's it's you, you, I was joking a little bit. That was pretty apparent, wasn't it? Yeah, I know. It's shocking. But in general the community. I wish I wish I would have like there's there's wonderful people in this community. And so if I had a wish and we've talked about this, ask for help more frequently. Mm-hmm. Right. Say you don't know. Reach out to us. Reach mm-hmm. out to other people. I wish I would have reached out sooner because I would have accelerated in some areas, yeah. I think, quicker. Because it generally... I mean, someone might say no every once in a while, but in general, gosh, I can't... I mean, I had a guy in Atlanta send me out of the blue. I know him. He sent me something today, and he had like a question. He's running a workshop or something. I sent him back a reply, and I think it like helped him a lot. That's the, That's... I do that because it's important to me to give back. Right. He'll do that. You you do that. Mm-hmm. There was a girl. I, I there's there's a lady, uh, girl lady in, in Eastern Europe, that I comment on. I forget her name. Lena. I, th- I think. What's her? Lena? Yeah. Yeah. I just love her posts. Yeah. And I try to I try to give her some encouragement in my comments to her post sometimes. And I I think you have talked to her mm-hmm. or something. She reached out to you for coaching. Mm-hmm. And I I just I just think doing more of that earlier would have made me better. Right. And would have made the the universe better. Yep. Yeah. I I, I mean I've started that in the early days of the Metacast. We didn't do a lot. Of, we didn't do a lot of Mm-mm. that. I mean, what we asked for was feedback. Give give us topics and things like that. When when have we done the pivot? Like we've done a community diversity give back pivot. It's only been in the last five or less years or yeah. something, right? Yep. Probably less I'd than say that. So, yeah. Like three years or something. Yeah. I don't know what's happened. We've we've cha- we've gotten older. We've that's we've it. Reflected. That's exactly it. We've reflected or so, and we've gotten feedback. The other thing is, I think we've gotten some encouragement by people. Like there's folks. What is that darn tool that 
people discord keep, discord yes the people have well you were doing the discord things getting feedback and stuff from people yeah. for a while there's some there's some good dialogues in there there's the exciting thing that's happening in there right now link below is that there are like role specific channels that people are talking about it's really? like a scrum master discussion and product owner discussion and I things like to, that i have to get on there sometime you do I've, have you i've do have just been accounts? so I, I've just not, it's just another, technology kicks my butt. It just does. <laughs> it just absolutely does. And the name, you know what my, probably my I know, first hurdle I've heard, is? I've heard the Have name. I said it to you before? Multiple times. See, yeah. If it was called like Charlie Brown, I'd probably, you know, or Cotton Candy. Oh, if it was Cotton Candy, I'd be all over it. I would be. I would, that, you know? All right. I, did, I, did we, I think we squeezed enough juice. Metacasters. Mm -hmm. It's, it's reflection. Go back and reflect. Listen to what we've said. Reflect on your own journeys and start making some earlier pivots. Like, like don't, don't get into that sunk cost crap. Oh, I can't make a change. Right. Or I'll, or, or I'll put it off till next year or next speaking as me, that turns into the next decade. Right. And then you're, you know, it's a little, it's not late, but it's, it's, it's much later than it, it makes it be. harder. It makes it much harder. Yeah. Right. So really reflect. And I wish I would have known. The other thing is in your teams, in your teams, you know, run your retro. How about, I wish I would have known what retrospective mm, or i wish i would have idea. discovered what and what would we have done so it's that's that's start having a tsunami Whoa. of reflection that is out there sounds powerful all right so from beautiful downtown we're in fuquay baby yeah, yeah. fuquay hyphen verena i'm bob galen bob f and galen Bob F. and Galen. And I'm Josh F. Anderson. And Josh F. and Anderson. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Shake. Shake. And, oh, we got to reach. Oh, oh Take care, y'all. Okay.